Sheesh, I know. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You're going to pray for me? All right. Sheesh. We spent enough time together. Lord, thank you for this man. Thank you for his leadership. Thank you for his mentorship. More importantly, Lord, I thank you for his friendship. And Lord, I'm thankful that he's one of those men that love you more than he loves any man in this room. And he loves a lot, a lot. And so I'm thankful that we, that we have him to share. I pray that you, would, uh, that you would just encourage him, that you would inspire him. I pray, Lord, that you would redeem the time that he invested in preparing for tonight and actually spent the entire summer putting together the schedule, him and Matthew. And uh, we're just thankful, Lord. So I pray that you would speak through him, Holy Spirit. Impact the hearts of these men. Uh, capture our attention, Lord. Capture our hearts. Wake us up from our slumber. Um, Lord, our families need us to be the men that you've called us to be. Our children need us. Our community needs men to rise to the occasion. Not on our watch anymore, Lord. Let us not slumber. Let us not sleep. Let us be awake to what you'd have us do. So speak to us through Pastor Kyle and be glorified in all that's done and said. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, praise the Lord. Hey, uh, where we're focusing uh, this year is uh, true worship, uh, walking the life of uh, faithfulness. Last, week, last year, we, wa- we uh, walked through the book of uh, Acts together where God gathers uh, His people around Jesus, fills them with the Holy Spirit, and unleashes them into a hurting and broken world uh, to change everything. Uh, the only governor, the, uh, the only limiter on that uh, movement uh, that God has been working for for uh, 2,000 years is, is the simple work of worship. The simple work of worship. Because um, it's as we, uh, as we worship that he, emp- he empowers us for the life of, of faithfulness. Elliot uh, got a pacemaker uh, uh, this summer, went to an um, annual... Yeah, physical, you know, so you take the blood pressure and the, and the pulse and his heart's beating at 27 beats a minute. And the doctor says, hmm, I think that might be too low. Sism <laughs> to, to the cardiologist, where's the, uh, you know, that, that heart monitor for how long do you wear it? Okay, for a week. And, and your heart would stop how often during the night? Okay, and it would, and your heart stopped. Okay, it would, it just stopped. Okay, okay. So this is important to understand, guys. All right, if your heart stops, that's bad. Okay, if your heart stops, that's bad. His heart stopped. That's bad. We're giving you a pacemaker, so he's got a pacemaker now, and he's got it dialed in and. And it's still tough chasing them up a mountain when, uh, when you're hiking with them. Okay. So what you have is you have the pump. Everyone do this. The pump, right? That's what the heart is. The pump, and then you have the flow. Okay? You have the pump and the flow. Pump. Come on, you can do it with me, guys. Pump and the flow. Pump and the flow. Pump and the flow. Bad pump, no flow. That's bad. That's all you need to remember tonight, really. Right? 
A bad pump, no flow, that's bad. True worship dials the heart into our life source. You know, the Lord Jesus. Uh, dialed into the life source, our life pumps and there's flow. We walk the life of faithfulness. And the Lord is able to uh, reveal, uh, reveal himself through us. Now there's a... Uh, the church talks a lot about about sins, right? And and a lot of a lot of what I experience in church life is what I call sin management. Uh, you know, just stop it, stop it, stop it, stop sinning, and and everything will be alright. As if sinning is the problem. Sinning is a symptom. Sinning is not the problem. It's like you know you you uh, tell you tell your buddy, man. I'm just, I feel lethargic, and I sleep all the time. And your buddy says, well, quit being lethargic and stop sleeping all the time. Just get moving and everything will be all right. You know, you take your advice because you really don't like being lethargic. You don't like sleeping all the time. But you know what? You find yourself being lethargic and, and sleeping all the time. So you go to another friend and you say, man, I, I just feel lethargic and I'm sleeping all the time. And the friend gives the same advice. Well, quit being lethargic and quit sleeping all the time. Finally goes to a third friend. Man, I'm lethargic and I'm sleeping all the time. And the third friend says, you know, I think you might want to go see a cardiologist. Cardiologist examines the heart. What's, what does the cardiologist discover? Bad pump. No flow. The problem isn't that you're lethargic and you're sleeping all the time. The problem is you got a bad heart. Sin is the symptom. The problem is idolatry. I'm going to say that again because that's going to be our focus all year long. Sin is the symptom. The problem is idolatry. Bad pump, no flow. Inauthentic worship, false worship, powerless to walk the life of faithfulness. So what we're, what we're going to be doing all year long is dialing into that. And, and it's a lot easier said than done. It's a lot easier said than done. And that's what we're going to take a look at. Uh, uh, tonight at, in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. Very familiar story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. So if you've got your Bibles, I invite you to open it up and follow along. And we'll, and, and we'll take it in two steps. 25 through 28, and then the Good Samaritan story, 29 through 37. 25 through 38. Luke 10, 25 through 38. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this 
and you will live. So the lawyer comes up to test Jesus, and he's he's testing Jesus' right understanding, his his orthodoxy, because Jesus is way off the charts in in, in terms of anybody they've ever seen before in in all kinds of ways. And so the lawyer wants to put him to the test. And and he asks the question that every, every faithful rabbi knows, every faithful Jew knows. Uh, the first answer, you shall love the Lord your God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, comes from the central prayer of Judaism. Deuteronomy 6.4, it's called the Shema, because the first word in the verse is Shema in Hebrew, which is hear. And it says, a hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. That's how most translations have it. Okay? The second answer and, you're, you, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself, comes from what's called the, uh, the holiness code in Leviticus 19, which is the, uh, the, uh, the call of Israel to, uh, uh, to live unto God alone. What does it look like? It looks like loving your neighbor. Okay? Uh, true worship is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Powerful pump. What's the result? Loving your neighbor as yourself. Good flow. You shall love the Lord your God with all my soul and strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Simple, right? Get it? Solid pump. Great flow. Okay? Uh, but it gets tricky. Uh, in Deuteronomy 6.4, uh, you shall love the Lord your God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall love your, the Lord your God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Anybody got the New Living Translation open? Anybody got the New Living? Raise your hand. Uh, Carrie, look to, tur- tur- turn quick to Deuteronomy 6.4. Uh, most of, I mean, for a long, long time, uh, most translations translated as I quoted it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And, and when we read that, where our rational minds kind of lock into is this is a, a theological doctrinal statement about the monotheism of God. You know, there, there is only one God, right? Here with Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. New Living Translation. Good translation, by the way. I'm appreciating it more and more. What does it say in Deuteronomy 6? For Carrie, stand up and read it nice and loud. Do you hear that? Listen, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord alone. What's different? I mean, it's, it's a simple Hebrew word. But what we're, under, but what we're realizing is that the, the call to Israel, is, it's, it's, it's not an abstract doctrinal statement. The Lord your God, the Lord is one, no other gods, monotheism. Okay, I got that covered. I got that clear in my brain. That's not what's going on. What's going on there, Israel exists in a land that's filled with idolatry. Filled with all kinds of different gods. I mean hundreds of gods all over the place. And, and the call to Israel, in Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, uh, the Lord your God. The, the, Yahweh is God, the Lord alone, meaning focus on the Lord alone. 
Ignore all the other competing gods. Focus on the Lord alone. It's a call to the exclusive focus on God. Him only shall you serve. And you shall love Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Am, 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 am I communicating here? The perennial problem with Israel, I mean, they always worshipped Yahweh. Never a time. Israel, even after the divided kingdom, Israel and Judah, they always worshipped Yahweh. The problem is, they would also go up to the hill and worship the Asherah poles, or worship Baal, you know, wor- you know bringing other gods like, uh, like Solomon's wives did, as he married all these wives, and they br- brought in all those gods. Israel never ceased worshiping Yahweh. Problem is, they worshiped other gods too. That's the idolatry problem. Not that you kick God out of the house, that's nah, just bring other idols in. Okay? And we got to know the problem is still with us. It has never gone away. Human beings are idol factories. Our hearts are always going after things that look like they'll give us energy and life and power. So, you guys are smart, guys. Throw out some idols. What are some idols that you're familiar with in contemporary American culture? What do you think they might be? Was that sports? Cars? Phones? Money? Celebrities? Was that? Women? Status? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right, right. This is, man, absolutely all these things, all these things. See, and the challenge, and the challenge is to worship the Lord our God alone. To have an exclusive focus on Him. That He is absolutely the center of our life. The focus of all our energy, all our time, all our resources. The Lord alone. Exclusive focus leads to effective result. Loving your neighbor as yourself. Good pump, good flow. Love God, love neighbor. So so let's see what happens here. Let's pick it up at verse 26. Well, 28. And Jesus said to the lawyer, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Do this, and your life will be filled with Seth's joy. Do this, and your life will have an effective result. Right? Way to go, Mr. Lawyer. You did good. 29. Lawyer stumbles right here. But he... The lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, great lawyer question, and just who is my neighbor? Right? Jesus says, 
I think I'm dealing with the guy who doesn't understand how it's supposed to work. Okay? So what's the, because what's the Lord doing? He's separating the two, right? Love God, love neighbor. Got it. Love God, absolutely. Okay, I'll get that covered. Okay, love neighbor. Now just who is my neighbor? Just who is my neighbor? So I can be sure I love him. He's missing the point that this is an integrated reality. It's an organic, integrated reality. Good pump. Great flow. Love God. Love neighbor. Don't separate those two. Separate the pump from the flow. Bad. Bad. Okay? So Jesus wants to help him out. Verse 30. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed him by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whenever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Okay, now watch what's happening here. You got three characters. You got a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. Okay, who's the priest? Who's the priest? What's the priest's job? Where does the priest work? In the temple. He works in the temple, right? He's the guy who offers offering and goes in the Holy of Holies, the Day of Atonement, and you know, makes offering for sin and the cleansing and all that kind of stuff. Priest, you know, big guy in the temple. Okay. Now, who's Levite? Okay, Levite also works in the temple. He sweeps the floors. Okay? He, he sweeps the floor, uh, floors and cleans up after the priest. Okay, that's, that's the Levite. He, too, works in the temple. Okay, who's the Samaritan? Nasty guy, unclean guy. A guy who's all confused about where God is. Because where is God after all? In Jerusalem, in the temple. He dwells in in, in, in the holy place. In the temple. So what's going on here? The priest and the Levite see this beat-up man by the side of the road. Okay. Uh, the priests, in order to work in the temple, in, in order to fulfill their ministry calling, right, they must be ritually clean, ritually pure. They spend all their time making sure that they are uh, that, they, that they are not unclean 
so that they can go into the temple and draw near to God. Because so, if you draw near to God when you're unclean, that's bad. Okay? A couple of things make you unclean. Of course, you know, eating pork, right? Uh, touching a dead body, right? So the priest sees this battered guy, doesn't know if he's dead or alive. His job is the central job of Israel. Ministering to God in the temple. He must keep himself pure. He must keep himself clean. So he passes by on the other side because I can't touch a dead body. He may be dead. I'm about important things. Right? He's not a jerk. He's not an evil man, so to speak. He's concerned about the things of the Lord. Same thing is going on in the Levite's head. Same thing. Touch the dead body, unclean, can't fulfill his ministry in the temple. Okay? Passed by on the other side. Who's a Samaritan? The Samaritan is the most impure, unclean guy they could imagine. And this guy is the neighbor. This guy is the guy who shows the effective result. What's going on there? It's idolatry in the church. It's idolatry in the midst of the worship of God. Slippery, guys. It's real slippery. See, idolatry... Well, uh, well, well let's think about that. What's their concern? Uh... God is the most important thing. You know, God alone. They're absolutely fixated on that. But they're missing something. What are, what, what are they missing? The most central values of Yahweh worship, of the worship of God, is life and love. We talked about the sanctity of life in our, in our abortion era. And it's a good thing we do. The sanctity of life is absolutely central to what God is all about. And then love. Commitment to one another. Caring for one another. Makes life itself possible. Everything around the temple Everything around those rituals are organized around life and love. Which is why you shall love the Lord your God with heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What has happened? A false understanding has crept in to the worship of of God in the temple in Jerusalem. Now Jesus doesn't tell us just what that is. But there's a clear test 
neighbor love. If the worship was true, you would see neighbor love. Maybe they, you know, they were caught up in, the, in, in hyper-nationalism because, because you know, the Romans had, had you know, invaded uh, the land and, 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 and they had to preserve national identity. And in, and, and, and in their thinking, they're thinking, boy, the most important thing in the world is, pre- is preserving right worship in, in, in the temple over against Rome. And, that, and that's the most important thing. And I've got to give myself to that. Maybe, maybe that's what they're thinking. Maintaining Jewish identity in the face of the Roman oppression. Maybe. Maybe a little nationalism in a time of, of, of threat. Maybe it was uh, just, just raw ego. Raw ego. Man, I'm the priest. I'm an important guy. Man, the whole nation looks to me. You know, it's, man, if I touch this guy, I can't do my most important job. And it all depends on me. Poor guy, I got to pass by. On the, you know, maybe it's as simple as ego. But the priest is missing it. The Levite doesn't see it. Jesus does. Because an exclusive focus leads to an effective result. True worship leads to the life of faithfulness. Love of God. Love of neighbor. Everybody with me? So let's ask a more difficult question. Might there be idolatry in the church in America today? What might that look like? Well, maybe it looks like uh, the, the, the confusion about good music. Because, you know, good music is so powerful to the experience of, of a worshiper. You know, you know maybe, maybe we've come to place the, uh, uh, the quality of music. And, and if we don't got good music, we can't have good worship. Uh, maybe it's the, uh, it's the celebrity preacher. You know, maybe it's the, it's the guy who can really bring it Sunday after Sunday. And if I'm in a place where the preacher isn't feeding me, it's bad worship. Maybe it has something to do with our theological tradition, you know, right doctrine. If the, if the doctrine isn't pure it's bad worship do you think there might be idolatry in the church in America today 
See, here, here's the thing. Those, are those Levites and the priests, two concepts that, that we're going to be playing with all year long are habits of mind and habits of body. Habits of mind and habits of body. What are habits of mind? Habits of mind are what the idol, well, what you worship, how what you worship shapes your understanding, shapes the things you see, how you perceive, how you interpret what happens to you. So we have this priest. He's, he's got the most important job in all of Israel for whatever reason. He must keep himself clean. He sees a body by the side of the road. What does he see? Does he see a hurting human being? Is that what he sees? What does he see? An unclean thing. He sees an unclean thing. A habit of mind that informs his body. What must he do? He must walk on the other, he must walk on by. Because his idol demands ritual purity. And that's an unclean thing. You following me? Habits of mind, habits of body. What we worship will shape what we think and what we do. What we worship will shape what we think and what we do. Sin is a symptom of idolatry. Because idolatry distorts our thinking and drives evil behavior. Are you with me? Sin is not the problem. Idolatry is the problem. True worship, worshiping the Lord or alone, shapes our understanding. And that true understanding shapes our behavior. And we begin to do good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Are you understanding this? Are you picking it up? You shall worship. You shall love. The Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And when you do, you will love your neighbor as yourself. Because that's the kind of people true worship produces. It's subtle. It's tricky. That's what we're going to be looking at all year long. And let me tell you, and you hear me say stuff like this all the time, and I, I mean it. The men in this room, just in this room, don't, in, don't invite anybody else. 
if the men in this room can figure that out, the Hatchby is going to see Jesus all over this place, all over this town. Because true worship produces the life of faithfulness. Okay? So as you go into small groups, reconnect, hug and kiss, do whatever you got to do. But check your heart. Right? Put, put on the EKG. How's your pumper? How can you tell? How's your neighbor love? See, hard to evaluate this. What do you look at? Neighbor love. Are you, neighboring, are you loving your neighbor as yourself? Chances are, this is pretty good. If you're seeing ways that you can love your neighbor better, chances are there's some idolatry at work in the heart of worship. Are you with me? Put on the EKG. How's the pumper? I don't know. How do you tell? Evaluate your neighbor love. You don't need to talk about what are the idols, what might my idols be. Don't worry about that. We, we got all year for the Lord done, uh, uh, to, reveal, to reveal that to us. This is just the EKG. What, what's it doing? Boop. 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 That's good. That's bad. Bow your hearts and heads with me. Lord God, we do thank you for your faithfulness. And just the, uh, man, man, what, what an opportunity, Lord, to give ourselves to you in true worship. And we've all lived long enough to know that it's easier said than done. But the good news is, the good news is, Lord, you desire to draw us to yourself. Lord, you desire to draw us more deeply into that, into that quality of intimacy that is true worship. Lord, I, I lift up all the men in the room, all the men who aren't here yet, Lord, and, and this grand challenge that you're laying before us, that we might walk Lord, the life of faithfulness because we are worshiping you alone. Lord, move for your glory through us this year, for your glory, O God. In Jesus' name, amen.